Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this Safeguarding Children online podcast brought to you by SWGFL. Welcome to the SWGFL podcast, the free definitive guide helping educators keep young people and yourselves safe online. I'm Jess Macbeth here with Gareth Court. Hello, Gareth. Hi, Jess. Hi, everyone. And we are consultants with SWGFL, partner in the UK Safer Internet Centre. Welcome, everybody. It's nearly Safer Internet Day. We thought we'd dedicate today's conversation to talking about what's happening on the day and the resources that are available. Gareth, do you want to kick off about what Safer Internet Day is? It's the most wonderful day <laughs> of... The, no, that's Christmas. We've done that. It's, it's the most wonderful day if you're an online safety person, definitely. So, yeah, so Safer Internet Day takes place every February. It's celebrated in, I think it's over 200 countries worldwide now, but we, we make a big deal about it here in the UK. And as the UK Safer Internet Centre, we coordinate all the activity happening on Safer Internet Day. So Safer Internet Day 2021 is on Tuesday, the 9th of February. The day as a as a global thing always has a global theme of together for a better internet but in the UK we like to come up with our own theme that's really relevant and pertinent to, to whatever has been going on on the internet uh, and, and the current trends so this year the theme is an internet we trust exploring reliability in the online world uh, a very apt theme I think given the way 2020 panned out wouldn't you agree Jess? Totally. Somebody had a bit of foresight, didn't they, when they made that decision? Yeah, foresight about some other things, but yeah, never, nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we could have done with having it as last year's. Um, that's just the matter. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think in the current climate of of infodemics and misinformation and really questioning some of the things that we see and experience online, it's it's a brilliant theme to explore with with learners this year. So there's loads and loads of things, as Jess mentioned, lots and lots of resources that you can lay your hands on. You've been having a little look at the resources, haven't you, Jess? I have. So as usual, we have activity packs for different age groups. I've just been having a look at uh, the 11 to 14s. I, you know what's, what's great about misinformation type educational materials, which always makes them really interesting, is when they use real examples, you know? And the, the 11 to 14 packs got this whole example about how the news reported on a million young people attending a party on Bournemouth Beach during lockdown. So it's a fascinating one because it starts to look at different content that's online, headlines, social media commentary, and, and kind of getting young people to think about, you know, what would they take this at face value? Which bits of it, of it would they question? Was there any bias in that? Looking at photographs. Yeah, I like, I like that kind of stuff. What about you? Did, you? did you have a look at the resources? Yes, yes, I've had a look through. So I, I agree with you. I really like that one as well. I, I like the fact that 
the internet now has kind of blurred that line, hasn't it, between traditional media and social media, because you so often now get traditional media outlets reporting on things that happen on social media and vice versa, social media breaking news that then, you know, gets followed up uh, by, by news outlets as well. So there's, there's like a weird sort of link between the two now, isn't there? So so I think that's a fantastic one, definitely for that age group. Um, it's worth mentioning that there are packs for different age groups. So there's a pack for the age three to sevens, which I really like the little ones because there's lots of fun activities there, including a, a great virtual assembly starring Detective Digiduck. Oh, we love Digiduck. So that's, uh, that's definitely a great one to explore. And, and he's a detective now, so he gets to wear, you know, a cap, <gasps> use a, a magnifying glass. So oh. how could it not be made better? At seven to elevens, uh, I really liked in that one. There's a lesson plan that explores video content or content online created by vloggers and others where it may be like a promoted post or a promoted video or an advertorial or, you know, a way that they're trying to sort of uh, sell their merch or get you to click on affiliated links and things like that so I really like that one it's, it's kind of exploring that nature of your most favorite influencers and vloggers and people online and how they might have motives behind the way that they put their content together and present it to you that that might benefit them not just you as an audience so so that was a really good one too I think I really like the idea of the um, thinking about advertising as well within this whole space I think sometimes we think of it as either sort of political that's what we think of you know or public health messaging or something like that is what we think of in terms of misinformation. But actually, it really cuts across so many different things. So, yeah, how advertising works, whether you know something's an advert or not, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah and there were a few stories, weren't there, I believe, in, in throughout the course of 2020 for uh, where the like the Advertising Standards Authority had to step in and give a bit of a rap on the knuckles of, of various influencers and a few celebrities as well, I think, where they put content up on Instagram or on YouTube and they hadn't made it clear that they were actually promoting a product. You know, they'd not been entirely transparent that they were being paid by a company to promote their particular product. So so again, there's, there's real blurred lines around that one. So I think the more that we can do to talk to children and young people about this, the, the better, really. So that's a great activity, too. Uh, and then the other one, uh, the other pack is 14 to 18s. And they've actually got different lesson plans on, you know, sort of the, the, the bigger, the meatier topics, I think, in this area. Things like fake news, that role, again, of influencers and, and indeed that targeted advertising, how you actually target it to a specific group or audience to to shift or change views and behavior. So so lots of stuff. I was just thinking about the 14 to 18 age pack because it, there's this whole thing, isn't there, that we get into this idea that we don't need to teach them anymore. You know, like they get kids get to about 15 and it just sort of trails off. And it's like they look like adults and so they don't get that perhaps level of education, certainly at home, potentially. So I think this is really important to have the, the packs going right up to age 18. Definitely. And I, I'd have to say, given the nature of this topic and the nature of the things that we've seen online, not just in 2020, but for many years now, I think I think there's stuff that we as adults could all do stand to learn about this area as well to make sure that we're not drawn in by by fake news or misleading or false information too so you're absolutely right i think it needs to carry all the way through right up to adulthood and indeed they, they, it kind of does actually because we've got a pack uh, on the safe internet center website for parents and carers as well uh, they can follow up conversations with their children uh, there's activities they can do there's conversation starters to get that discussion flowing and there's things like an online safety plan and links to, to other useful resources as well so there's, there's there's something there for everyone. So that's all the usual stuff, right? Every year, education packs, different ages, parents, it's all out there, videos too. But this year's a bit different, isn't it? Because lots of people at home. 
Indeed, yes. And, and I believe our friends at Childnet, the team who wrote the packs originally, had to go back and make some amendments in recent months because of what is the current lockdown situation as we record this at the start of February. So they have actually produced some additional guidance to go with the packs to suggest what activities and resources in the packs for each age group are good to use if you're planning to do a live lesson on or around the day which ones might be good to do a pre-record on if you want to create content for your learners that way, or which ones might actually be good as independent activities that you can send learners off to to, to have a go at by themselves. So they provided some guidance on there. And you can find all of that on our website at saferinternetday.org.uk. And wasn't there assemblies too? They've recorded assemblies, haven't they? They have, yes. So to make life really easy for you, if you don't fancy delivering an assembly on Safer Internet Day in your school, they've uh, each member of the team, I think, has, has taken a go at one of the assemblies for each of the four age group packs, and they've recorded themselves delivering that assembly. And they're in videos that, again, are available on the website. So that's a nice thing you can actually put on and play to, to a group or, or obviously direct your learners off to go and have a little look at as well. So I guess, of course, the other challenge, Jess, is uh, what's actually happening on the day, because usually we'd have lots of face-to-face events in each of the four nations of the UK. That's going to be a bit different this year, isn't it? Totally. And actually, not just sort of at nation level, but lots of organisations have had to change plans. Lots of schools have had to change plans, which is maybe not so difficult because they've kind of pivoted towards using the learning materials at home or maybe sending something out to parents. But there have been some bigger events as well, which you know we would have done in a different way. But yes, we do have, uh, uh, from Southwest Grid perspective, we've got an event schedule for Safer Internet Day itself. Haha, <laughs> drum roll. Um, if you go to saferinternetday.org.uk and, uh, and click on the blog there, you can see our schedule. So on the 9th of February, 10 a.m. in the morning, there is Celebrating Safer Internet Day 2021 in Wales. So they've been running a competition, the Tackling Misinformation Digital Storytelling Competition is what they've been been running. So they're going to hear who the the winners are. And uh, that sounds blooming amazing, doesn't it? So well done then. Uh, and at one thirty, there's Safer Internet Day with Liverpool FC. I think, do you know a bit about that? So, yeah, a little bit. So, uh, basically, we're going to be doing a, a live event uh, in collaboration with Liverpool FC. And I believe our, our wonderful colleague, Ken, who you've heard on previous podcasts before, is uh, going to be delivering an assembly. And there's going to be, uh, I, I think, video content from some of the players and others involved in the club and lots of other materials as well. And that can all be found on our UK Safer Internet Centre YouTube channel. I'm actually also on the day doing some stuff with with Everton FC. Uh, We're going to do some live sessions beamed directly into some of their partner schools for the children who are still physically there in those schools as well. So uh, the Safer Internet Day stuff with Liverpool FC on our YouTube channel kicks off at 1.30pm in the afternoon. And then we shift over to Scotland. Jess, do you want to tell us about Scotland? Yeah, three o'clock. Well, this is going to be pre-recorded, some video clips. So we're going to hear from the Minister for Children and Young People here about why Safer Internet Day is so important. Uh, Young Scott, their DigiKnow steering group, young people have kindly recorded some top tips about avoiding becoming a victim of fraud. Um, I'm going to do a bit of a shout out to some of the schools and the organisations that are supporting us in Scotland. So thanks very much in advance, everybody. And also, I'm going to give a clip of um, some of the training that I've training videos that I've delivered all about mis and disinformation so if you're looking for a bit of a kind of refresher and an update on misinformation you can tune in to that as well that will be on the um, UK Safe Internet Centre YouTube channel as well so that's three o'clock and then the last thing for the day four o'clock uh, we've got live Q&A with 
the helpline. So this is the big one, right? I'm, I'm actually, this is going to be amazing. So we've got a, a live Q&A session. You can submit your questions in advance. If you look for the UK Safer Internet Centre um, Facebook page just now, you can submit questions um, in advance, but they're going to answer your questions about anything and everything. And honestly, these guys are the ones who know. So online safety issues affecting yourself, a young person or your organisation. Uh, it's uh, This is going to be a really interesting one. So that's, that's four o'clock on the 9th of February. It's going to be brilliant. Sounds amazing. Yeah, fantastic. A, a whole day of packed activities. Don't forget, you can find all of this at saferinternetday.org.uk. You can also, on our site, register to be a supporter of the day. So yes. you get to add your school logo and a bit of a description about what your school is doing to celebrate Safer Internet Day. And then that gets uploaded to the site alongside all the other schools that are taking part. But we also have um, pretty much many of the police forces across the UK uh, pledge their support. Uh, the um, Premier League football clubs and, and other organizations as well. Uh, lots of the big internet industry figures, so people like Google and Microsoft and so on, pledge their support for the Voluntary day. Voluntary sector, too. loads of them, youth work, yeah. uh, local authority, so get a lot of child protection committees, all kinds of folk signing up. Yeah, it's so, so in, a, in a steamed company, if you decide to sign <laughs> up as a supporter. And we also have a, a Guinness World Record attempt uh, in collaboration with Too Simple to see how many uh, shares we can get of our online pledge. So again, in the uh, education packs that we talked about earlier, there is uh, an online pledge that you can fill out or get children to fill out and share on social media. So we're actually going to try and create a lot of buzz around that on the day on social media. So the more of those that we could share, the better, because we get that message out there. But we might also be able to break a, a world record attempt for the most shares as well wait isn't there a bbc live lesson too i'm sure there, there is. is there is have a look just now for a bbc live lesson with southwest grid um because i'm sure that schools can register in advance and you can maybe get a shout out for your for your school so yeah there is There's indeed loads, loads of people getting involved. And the BBC also produce lots of great content for the day regularly. They tend to have a lot of it housed on their, their Own It website. So mm. if you search for that as well, lots of great video content there too. So while we're while we're talking about home learning and needing to pivot to the way we do stuff, there was a useful blog article that went up recently about kids on camera. Did you have a read of that one? It was written by Carmel at Posh. So, yeah, she wrote a great one about, about whether or not cameras should be on or off for live lessons. And it's very much down to your own personal preference. There's lots of pros and cons either way. What what side of the fence do you sit on on this, oh, Jess? Well, you know, I'm a parent. But also, I, I've been running sessions with with educators. So this, this has been coming up. We've been talking about this. And I completely see both sides. So, I mean, I've, I've got the experience of the kind of 8.30 a.m. check-in, you know, the beginning of the day registration check-in type thing. And I think that works really well. It gets the kids out. They have to actually get dressed, you know. Well, the top half at least anyway. <laughs> and I think that that kind of works. And then there's and then there's a kind of, you know, potential for live lessons. And I know it really, really varies across the country as to how, how much live lessons there are. And some areas are really wanting kids to be on camera and because it helps to know that they're actually engaged and they are there and all the rest of it. And then in other places, they're, they're much more relaxed about it. There's definitely an issue for some young people that they find it, um, it, it and actually it's for grown-ups as well. I mean, there's lots of people that don't like um, uh, the breakout rooms, for example. You know, that if you attend a webinar, they don't like it if you then go into breakout rooms because it really forces you to kind of really have to put your camera on and you really be face-to-face with people. And also the way it's set up, you know, you see all this, this sea of faces that look like they're all looking at you. So I think there are, you know, I think personally, I think there are some issues about ever trying to make somebody display their their face yeah 
Yeah, definitely. And there's, you know, if you are an anxious person, then of course having, yeah, having that sea of faces staring back at you and knowing that everyone can see you on your cam could could exacerbate that. So, so I think it very very much does vary. Um, I'm also of the opinion as well that you you need to be using it for a purpose. As with all things in education, don't just have cameras on because that's kind of the thing to do. Is is have them on for a purpose. What are you actually getting out of this? And and there's lots to be gained, obviously, of interactions with your learners to check, you know, that they are actually paying attention and they're doing something to to give them that familiar face of you as a a teacher and educator every day and stuff but but i'm also wary of the fact that the longer you leave everyone's cameras on statistically the more likely you are to have some kind of safeguarding incident at some point something could pop up on cam that's unexpected or something you know so i think there's a bit of a balance to be struck there you have cameras on definitely because that that social face-to-face interaction is great but actually you don't need cameras on all the time for everything you know what that's just reminded me of <laughs> somebody sent me a link i've just remembered it somebody sent me a link of a story of a young man a pupil a young person who what he did was he flicked his camera off and I think he might have had a photograph of himself, you know, as the as a kind of a profile picture. But he flicked his camera off, but he changed the name of the profile picture to say reconnecting dot dot dot. So that, <laughs> so that he could wander off and do other stuff. And the teacher thought he was trying to connect. Really? So <laughs> I do you know and this is but this is the thing, isn't it? It's like cat and mouse. And it's back to your idea of the being it being purposeful. I suppose if it feels like it doesn't really have a purpose, you know, what's in it for them? they're gonna find ways to get around it if you take nothing away from this podcast today you've at least learned that like a way that you can step away from your camera for a period of time without anyone getting suspicious yeah. there you are you take a picture of yourself maybe with your eyes crossed or you know sort of your mouth in a funny yeah. position and then type in reconnecting as your name and then off you go oh dear yeah i've just shared that haven't i with everybody well, now all the educators know what to look out for, Jess. You've just informed everyone. It's, it's bad enough. I was doing some staff training uh, the other week. And and I'm quite, they say, fair, I think, when I'm talking to staff. I, I kind of say, well, have your camera on if you want. If you want to have your camera off because it improves your connection or you're more comfortable, obviously do what's right for you. And so I said this at the start. And so all these cams kind of Everybody like... Everybody switches off when you do that, yeah. People, everyone switches off. And then they, I got this terse message in the chat from the person, the school contact kind of leading the session and saying, everyone needs to turn their cams back on now, please. <laughs> <laughs> and all these cameras pop back up again. So that was sheepish. But uh, yeah, it's a different different schools, different approaches. Oh. So it's, it's about doing what's right for you and the right for oh, your learners. Totally, totally. Challenging times. The other thing, I suppose, I th- things are changing, right? They are changing. I, I, there's definitely, you know, we first went into lockdown. We're all very nervous about being on camera. I think we're getting a bit more relaxed about it. So we'll see. It's the dawning reality that you can't have a snow day anymore now as well. I think the children have finally twigged onto that one. Is It doesn't matter if there's six feet of snow outside because you can now do your lessons online. There's no escaping it. Oh, you have to bring us down, don't you? <laughs> we, we had some snow down here in the south of England the other week. Luckily, it was on the weekend, so it didn't affect the Oh, we've had mountains. Yeah. Oh, we've had loads. And it's the ice has gone on for weeks. Anyway, listen, people don't want to hear about all of our weather problems, do they, really? <laughs> they're probably living through them i imagine (laughs) final thing i'm having a look at what we were going to talk about final thing we thought would be worth just quickly mentioning whilst we're on the topic of misinformation is online challenges because they've been making the headlines again haven't they They one or two challenges sometimes sometimes they are hoaxes sometimes unfortunately they're not yeah it it very much depends and like all these kind of things like all these trends online they they come and they go sometimes in the blink of an eye and as you mentioned sometimes they're hoaxes they're 
you know, it's, it is that kind of that rumor mill, that gossip mill online, spreading this idea that something's out there that's bad, that's going to affect people, or or you know, force children into doing things that that may put them at risk of harm. Other times, they're they're challenges. They're actually just a bit of fun and quite positive. So it's it's really important, I think, to talk to your learners about online challenges in broad brushstrokes, in broad terms. And to recognise that actually it's it's a form of peer pressure being enacted, enacted online and sometimes people behave differently online than they would do offline. And that sometimes makes them a bit more ready or um, sort of uh, engaged in, in kind of taking on these kind of challenges without always recognising the consequences. So I think talking in broad terms is, is a good idea. What, what do you think? Totally. The other thing that I've been covering quite a bit when I do sessions with young people is, you know, when you give them um, options as a kind of fun game, would you do this? Would you do that? Right. So sometimes I do that, but I talk about things like reporting, like, would you block or would you mute? Right. Because depending on platforms, there might be some differences between those. And sometimes blocking can result in things that you haven't intended to happen and stuff like that. Um, But I'll also do it looking at, would you ignore something online? Or would you do something about it? Because I think it's quite surprising the number of young people that will say they're just trying to ignore it. If, some, if they see something online that's not right, they're just trying to ignore it. And that isn't always helpful, particularly if something's going viral. You know, if they've seen something, yeah, it's great not to spread it, but maybe it is a good idea to talk to somebody that you trust about it because other kids might be seeing it too. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think sometimes there's that apathy it depends what it is, but sometimes that apathy around it for young people because they feel that reporting it on a social media platform, for example, won't make any difference or that it won't get taken down or you know, mm. it's just going to get be replaced by something similar two minutes later. So I, th- I think discussions around that is really important. The importance of reporting it, as you said, not just for helping yourself, but of course, helping other people who might be affected by seeing it, but also recognizing that unless we do actually report stuff, nothing's really ever going to get any yeah. better. You might believe that nothing's going to happen to it. And in some cases, that might be the truth is that actually no action is taken. It does stay there. But unless we all make a noise about it and report it, nothing's ever going to happen. You know, totally. we, we know there's so much content out there on social media and things like YouTube as well that they can't actively look at every single thing that's being put up as it's being put up they are relying on their communities online to report when things are there or things are being done that shouldn't be so it's really really important to report stuff absolutely digital citizens right absolutely creating the internet we want and all that kind of stuff absolutely so uh, before we finish up if you have a question or issue you'd like us to discuss on the podcast please get in touch by emailing podcast at swgfl.org.uk Gareth, do you have something to recommend to watch, listen to, read or play? I do, yes. I was lucky enough to receive uh, for my birthday a couple of months ago a wonderful book by Adam Buxton, the comedian, called Ramble Book, Musings on Childhood, Friendships, Family and 80s Pop Culture, which uh, ju- I'm just about a child of the 80s. You know, I was fairly young throughout the 80s. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite a nice walk down uh, down a sort of nostalgic lane. And just it's very, very funny as well. He's got a great sense of humour. So if, if you're looking for a giggle, then that's highly recommended. So how about you, Jess? What would you recommend this week? So I have been listening to a book. I, I rarely get time to read books, but listening, definitely into listening. So I got this book called Human Hacking. Um, and it's it's win friends, influence people, and leave them better off for having met you. It's by this guy called Christopher Hadnagy with Seth Shulman. Um, so it's a bit like a modern version of how to win friends and influence people, but it's actually coming from the perspective of somebody who does sort of hacking, so human hacking, like trying to break into buildings, cybersecurity type stuff. Like ethical hacking. So, yes, exactly. So it kind of mix. It's a mix of that and kind of general techniques for how to get what you want in this life. So- <laughs> 
I'm listening to your New Year's resolution this year. This is it. (laughs) I'm on my way, people. This is it. So quite enjoying that one. There you go. Something a bit different. (laughs) Recommendation. Thank you. (laughs) You'll have to try it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this SWGFL podcast. If you found our podcast helpful, please spread the word to your fellow educators. As always, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the podcast, don't forget to drop us an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. A better internet starts with us. Goodbye. This Safeguarding Children online podcast has been produced by SWGFL. Southwest Grid for Learning is a charity that has specialised in online safety for nearly 20 years and is one of the three partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre. The UK Safer Internet Centre is the national centre and one of 32 European Safer Internet Centres. For more information and terms of use, please visit www.swgfl.org.uk. Thanks for listening.